0: Okay, so I did, I did think of, well, we did think the power was going to be off, and it isn't. So it actually worked in our favor, because now we don't have a PowerPoint. Okay, because I, I half prepared the PowerPoint, and then thought, message the worship band. How about we WhatsApp everybody the PowerPoint? And then while I'm preaching, you guys can go through, it's the only time you are allowed to look on your phones, okay, during church. But then it's gonna, WhatsApp's going to come through, and you're going to be clack, 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 and you're going to lose my attention. So actually, I, I've just done half a sermon today. And I'm going to do the, one, the rest of it next week. But we need the PowerPoint for next week because next week's going to be wow, It's going to kick your December off, I tell you, on another level. And what we're going to speak into, the land of Moriah, I'll talk into next week. Okay, boom. Okay, and I'll, I'll break that down a little bit. But we're on a journey. I'm just going to break and wrap up these covenants that we've been speaking into for the last few weeks. So I just want to say that I've noticed a number of you, which you wouldn't be doing today because there's no PowerPoint. You're all with your phones kind of taking photographs as I'm like... Kind of speaking through and the declarations and all that. What we'll try and arrange, well, what I will arrange for you, is that the pa- all the powerpoints from these talks will be put into a Google Drive, and we will WhatsApp the link out, that you can have access to all the stuff and the rhythms of what I was speaking. We'll create them in a PDF kind of format, and we'll put them in a drive that you can get it. Then also the declarations. I also see a lot of people taking photos of these declarations. We'll arrange um, to have them in a PDF format format that we can also WhatsApp you out. Okay, and then just request. So if you're wanting this stuff, just request it. Just send a message on the WhatsApp group saying that declaration we did on Sunday, please send it to me and it'll be sent to you. Okay, and then you've got them all there (coughs) and ready to go. So if you want those things in place. Okay. Good morning. So as you know, we've been speaking through the covenants, okay, the abramic covenant, the Mosaic Covenant. I'm gonna touch on today of the Davidic covenant. And next week we'll walk into the new covenant that we are partakers of, and that we live in the fullness of that incredible space that Christ has given to us. But just to summarize a few things here as we walk through this, and then just highlight a few things as we go. Um, if we look at those, those, uh, those, the three different covenants that we've covered. Okay, the Abramic. Okay, I had a graph up here that I mean a table that you could see, but just follow me. Okay, the three covenants. the covenant of Abraham was made to Abraham and his descendants. Okay, we are descendants of Abraham. What was the covenant? God will give the land of Israel to his people, of Israel forever. And all of the Gentile nations will be blessed as well because of this. The, um, yes, now I've got oil on my hands. You guys, this is amazing. Okay, I won't put it through my hair. Then I'll look somewhat greasy, eh? Like a bit of grease lightning there, eh? Um, the, the, the Abramic covenant is unconditional, meaning it is a one-way promise. It is bilateral, meaning God set it in place, meaning it won't change. It's not up to you, whether it breaks or not. Okay, sorry, unilateral. unilateral. No, it's bilateral. No, sorry, uni is one, bi is two. Just checking, Robin, thanks that you're here. There was actually your wife, it wasn't you. It was your wife. Well done, Christine. You're right. Yeah. Okay. So the Mosaic covenant, which we spoke into last week, okay, is to the corporate nation of Israel. And God issued, what is it? God issued the, the, the regulatory conditions for Israel to maintain permanent occupancy of the land. Okay. And we see that that now is bilateral. Bicycle, bi. Working two ways. That, th- this covenant was conditional. Okay. These things are very important because people forget this part about it. They think, oh, God just leaves it. If it's conditional, there's a point we have to play when it comes to the law and the way God set in place. So it's a two-way bilateral agreement that is set in place. Today we're going to just touch on, which is not complicated, and it's not a big kind of new covenant. It's building on the existing covenants. Okay, The Davidic covenant was given to King David. And it says that God will raise up a descendant of King David to sit on the throne of Israel. Look at the words we were singing today. The line of Judah, on the tribe of David, or the line of David. We will raise up a, a descendant that will sit on the throne and rule. This covenant is also unconditional. Okay, it's not going to change. It's not up to us. We can mess it up, but it will never change. Again, it's a one-way promise. That God has given us okay so just to confirm what we're speaking here so the Abrahamic covenant involved land and his descendants mosaic was the law now we often look at the law as something very legalistic that we can't abide to and we can't work the law there's beauty in it actually you read through the Psalms they speak about the beautiful law the love of the law okay instead of saying the law actually the the the, the, the explanation for it is actually the way It means the way. This is how you will live. If you live according to the way, you will prosper. so it's not not all too complicated. Okay, but if we abide and we follow these things that happen. So what they used to do, when I read you the Ten Commandments last week, I read out of Deuteronomy, not out of Exodus 20. Okay, now understanding Deuteronomy was 40 years down the line when they had Mount Sinai experience, or 50 days in, okay, from leaving Egypt. Forty years later, Moses is reminding the people, you're about to cross over. The time has come. Abide to these things. Stick to these things. The whole book of Deuteronomy, go and read it. It is beautiful. That that was in chapter 5. The next chapter is chapter 6 in Deuteronomy, which is the key verses that says, love the Lord your God with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's what Jesus brought us as the greatest commandment. And it encompasses all of the commands. Okay, you see the power now in Hebrew, they used to call the book of Deuteronomy the words. Okay, meaning like these are the words that for, for us as a people. So the, the first part, Deutero, actually means second, and the word nomos means law. So it was the second law that was given to the people, read out for a second time, not different law, the second time it's been read out to the people of Israel to adhere to what God Almighty is speaking to you, who's a God of love. He's given you these things because He loves you. He has chosen you out of all people on the earth. He's chosen you, that you will be a people that will follow His ways, and if you do that, you will prosper. We, we've seen that in our own lives too, right? When you follow the ways of the Lord, and you trust and believe in Him, doesn't mean there's not ups and downs. You follow the way, your life prospers. Your conscience is clear in a new covenant, all the power of that. So today we're going to touch on the Davidic covenant, okay? So these things, you see, are the foundation of what we believe, okay? It's not now that everything in the new covenant, and we wipe away everything of of the Old Testament. Everything is built upon. And now we're going back, you see, we're going back thousands of years. And what does that prove to us? He never changes. God never changes. He remains faithful to His promises. To his word. So the Davidic covenant give, was given to David 3,000 years ago. Just think how much has happened in 3,000 years. But he still remains faithful. Okay, He doesn't change. That's our God that we serve. And we've covered a lot of time in history. But we've covered these key moments as we look at God did. So I want to just talk about a little bit of a timeline. I'm sorry, the PowerPoint um, yeah, to see this. So we've covered from 2,000 before Christ... 2000 BC, okay, so if you go from 2000 BC to 1500 BC, Israel was led by Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then onto Joseph, the son who then was established themselves in Egypt. From these are approximate dates, from about 1500 BC, okay, to about 1000 BC, okay, they were led by the prophets, starting with Moses, all the way through all the prophets, through to Samuel. Okay, and so what is the whole journey with Samuel? Is that the people were crying out for a king. But he says, I've given you all you need. I'm your king. Why do you need? Okay, and eventually the Lord relents and says, okay, I will give you what you want. Because they were going, other nations have got a king. We want a king as well. And he gave them Saul. Okay, so from the time of 1000 BC to 500 BC, okay, Israel was led by kings. Starting with Saul ending with zedekiah so it goes saul david and then there's a whole list and then israel split between north and south the 10 of the north two of the south okay and then the lead up of from 500 bc leading up to christ coming they were led by priests okay so the the kingship thing fell apart a little bit okay but then priests led from joshua and you read in zechariah joshua the high priest right through if you read into acts 4 you will see Annas and, and Cephas, Cephas okay, they are the high priests that are still of the order of the day. Those were the people that were leading Israel, okay, and this obviously there were kings like Herod was in the day. So these are approximate dates, but it's significant times as there was an upward rise in the nation, okay, we're talking around David's time now. So as leading up to David's reign, okay, there was the spiral upwards of this nation starting to thrive. And the Jews speak of David's time that he reigned was around about 1000 BC, okay, approximately around about there. They call this time the golden era of peace and prosperity because he was prosperous. There was peace in the land. They had conquered most of the land. They had conquered all the enemies around them, and they were prospering as a nation, Okay, and that's a long time from the promise that was given from Abraham. Okay, it's, it's I, I don't know, how I mean, it's thousands of years leading up to this point. Well, it's a thousand years, essentially. Okay, okay. And, and to Abraham, right up to David, and them being able to conquer and take most land. But sadly, we see in David's time, while he's still alive, there's a slight decline that starts starting to happen over the people of Israel. And Israel essentially loses everything that they had gained over a thousand years, and threw it away, because they weren't the conditional law of the Mosaic Covenant set in place, they were not abiding to. Like I said to you a few weeks back, the northern tribes, it says of every one of them, they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And remember when it says that, it's not because it's just he decided and he was a, a bad person, it's a progression that builds from generation to generation. That eventually, the fifth and sixth generation actually don't know any better, and they think this is normal. They think this is the way things play out. You see how it, it slides slowly, and then you re, and then you look over a thousand years, and they've lost it. Okay. Yet God, yet there were those that stood and believed. That's why we spoke about the remnant. There's always the small group of people that believe. That trust God. And he raises them up. And that's all the prophets who were not looking for popularity. They were not looking for likes on Facebook. They were not looking for a number of followers. Because they had not hardly any followers. Because they spoke the truth. And everyone said, kill him. I don't want prophets like you. Come give me words that I like to hear. You know, oh yeah you are. You know, Elijah, troubler of Israel. No, I'm just the guy talking the truth. You are the problem, Ahab. Okay? You see how things rolled out? The Christ, this, this walk that we live, it's not about popularity. It's about obedience to the voice of God. And there was a remnant that held on, that trusted, that can, can, can try to and see the goodness of God played out. Read Isaiah, read Jeremiah. I think Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. I mean, the poor man, he just, no one listened. But if we look, you see, what we've done now is we've looked over time. Look from 3,000 years... To where we are now, 2,000 years from when Christ was here, all the ebbs and flows in times and society. Think of the world wars or the, or the wars that we've seen just in the last 100 years. Okay? When those words were written 2,000 years ago, saying things like, there'll be wars, rumors of wars. There's more that's happened in the last 100 years than ever. So when you look over time, you see a biblical narrative starts making sense. But you can't look at it for today. Like, oh, all oh, this life... You've got to look it from the big picture. Yeah. The big story that God has in plan for His people. And the thing is, God is never in a hurry. He's never in a hurry. Because yeah. he, he lives outside of time. Yeah. I mean, Farnes, you're going to get there and you're going to give Him a watch, right? Because you're tired of Him waking you up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, so God speaks, speak at 7, not at 4. Why at 4? Here we go. He has a, he has a, this is called the clock, Lord. Yeah. We run, he doesn't work according to time. He's outside of that. But He allows time... Flow and then he has Kairos moments. We're in a kairos moment. This time and season, we're in a Kairos time. God is moving. Okay. So I want to base what I'm going to say about today from 2 Samuel. Maybe you can pull out your Bibles and we won't follow on the screens. 2 2 Samuel 7. And I'll read that portion of scripture uh, this morning. 2 2 Samuel 7 from chapter from verse 10. Okay, now this is where the Lord is making a covenant with David, okay? 2 Samuel 7, verse 10. I want to read up right up to chapter verse 17, and it says from 10, and I will appoint a place, so in the beginning of this chapter, what David is asking is saying to the Lord, I'm going to build you a temple. I'm going to build you something. I'm living in this beautiful palace, but yeah, you are living in a tent, okay? Okay. Okay. Oh, that we are, thanks. Okay. But he's basically saying, and then the Nathan the prophet comes to him. Yeah, Nathan's with me, he's on that one. Nathan the prophet comes to him and he gives him the answer. And basically, he says, firstly, he says to him, Do the Lord says, Do whatever in your heart. Do whatever you want to do. Then he comes back to him, and says, No, no, no. Don't build a temple. Because God's saying, actually, he didn't ask for it. He didn't ask for a temple. He's actually happy with the tent. Don't worry. Don't worry. You don't need to build the temple. And then thirdly speaker says, no, you can't build the temple because you've got blood on your hands. Your son will build the temple. Okay? And he'll follow and he will build it. So we pick up in verse 10. This is the conversation they've been having. And it says, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and I will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more and violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly. Okay, so what's he speaking about? Land. Okay, so we know whose covenant speaks about land. We get it, okay? So from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel, those are the prophets, I will give you rest from all your enemies. And moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and lie down with your fathers, and here's the key, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Okay, this is forthcoming, This is speaking a thousand years ahead. Okay, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a, me a son. Now he's speaking about his sons, like Solomon and all that follow. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the sons of men but my steadfast love will not depart from him as i took it from Saul whom i put away from before you and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me your throne shall be established forever in accordance with all these words and in accordance with all the vision with all the vision nathan spoke to david okay that is essentially a covenant that god is reiterating with david as he speaks to him as I said to him, he's asking to build a house. And God says, yeah, do whatever you want. No, actually, don't. I don't need a, I don't need a place. Okay, and then there's butt on your hands. Your son will do it. But he, what's he doing? He's affirming this covenant with David. So in that, he's speaking of the land promises, affirmed that was spoken through Abraham. He then speaks about rest from your enemies. Okay, so David did have peace in his time. He had conquered everybody around him. Solomon didn't fight one war. Okay, how powerful is that? In a time where there was a lot of war, a lot of fighting, but the fighting was a, a, according to territory that God had promised. And God gave them. This is the journey up and down. They fight and they lose the battle because they went ahead of the Lord. And the Lord says, you know, do what I say and did it. And they learned this journey back and forth through Israel. But David had peace. What's happening in that land now? This is war. You see, it's just constant fighting over territory. Which makes it not just a physical battle. Remember that? Yeah. This, is, this is a spiritual thing. About what God's promises are. And I'm going to speak to you next week about, about the, the threshing floor on that land of Moriah. And how through thousands of years, that will still be fulfilled when Jesus returns. And that promise didn't change for all those thousands of years. Okay? So we look, within these words spoken from God comes a promise that the descendants of the line of David would rule on the throne of Israel, okay, and through, uh, which is meaning the Messiah, and that's very important to understand, that on your line, family line David, the Messiah is going to come, and through David's conquests and victories we see large portions of the land according to the promise were acquired, okay, through David's time, But the important thing to understand, another thing, the portion of land that was spoken to Abraham, not ever, okay, through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and now the conquests of David, not ever have Israel occupied that whole territory, which means it's still to come. And who's that going to be through? The Messiah, okay, understanding how that all plays out, okay? And there's the the harsh fact to some people, like I said to you, the title of that book Jesus is a Jew, and he's going to rule the world. And some people are having trouble with the Jewish people. It is shame. Yeah, that's right. It's a good South African word. Ah, shame. People don't understand that. You know, when you look at a baby, you go, oh, shame. They're like, what's wrong with it? What's wrong? There's something wrong. Is Oh, there's nothing wrong. You know, Americans, English, don't understand our things. Anyway. Okay, so this covenant will be fulfilled when Jesus, a descendant in the line of David takes the throne of David in Jerusalem. Okay, so now we understand the importance. If you go and read Matthew 1, verse 1, and what does it say there? Okay? This is important to look at. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. This is Matthew now, who hung with Jesus for all those years. And he hung with the Messiah. And he recognized who he is. He writes this for people to understand. He says, The genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David... The son of Abraham. This is confirming for us. If you read now at the end, it's beautiful when it says this, and and you are starting now recognizing the names as we get closer. You know, so from verse fifteen, and Eliot the father of Elazar, and Elazar the father of Mathan, and Mathan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ. We also see this in Acts two. Uh, let's go there, Acts Two Twenty Nine, where Peter is standing in front of the crowd, and he's preaching to them. And this is where they were cut to the heart, and 3,000 were added to them to the day. And he's talking about David, who's here. He's, 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 he's laying dead here. He's not alive anymore. But he starts speaking about, brothers, may I say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn an oath with him, that he would set one of his descendants on his throne. He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and we are all witnesses of. He's giving reference to what the Messiah was prophesied ago, a thousand years ago through the covenant of David, that on this line of David, you will see a Messiah come. And he's basically saying... He's come. He's now resurrected from the dead. He's alive. What are you believing? What are you standing for? What are you f- trusting in these days? So it's through Jesus, okay, that these land promises through the Abrahamic covenant will be confirmed and spoken over. Remember that the Davidic covenant is also unconditional. It's set in place. It's not going to change. Okay? So if we see this now, the David's house and the kingdom will endure forever. That's what the word' saying to us. There will also be a descendant of David's throne. So from that point, up to now, those who have not embraced Messiah for 3,000 years, they've been waiting for this Messiah. In the line of David, he must be to come. But we understand, 2,000 years ago, this Messiah in the line of David, came and walked this planet and walked this earth. OK? And therefore, for years people have waiting for this to come. but it's, now you see the power of why Matthew starts with genealogy. He says, right from the very beginning, and then he lines it, you see halfway through, that starts speaking about King David. He says, from Abraham to David was 14 generations, or there's, uh, then David to another is 14, and then from him to another 14, 42 generations. But in that whole line, from David, the promise was never forgotten. And he's making sure that people understand that when they read the book. Okay, so it's not just a whole list of names and we recognize he's, he's affirming what prophets have been saying for a thousand years. This Christ is here. The son of David, son of Christ, son of man. He's here on earth. Okay? So we see that reference of son of David is, is referred to many times in the New Testament. Knowing it's speaking about the promise. So when Jesus says to the Pharisees, I'm the son of David, it offends them. Why? Because they don't believe in him being the Messiah. But why he's saying that is because it confirms prophecy. Yeah. He's not just saying it because, uh, uh, you know, it's, David was a good king and I'm the next king. Yes, that is true. But it's spoken of thousands of years ago. A thousand years ago. So if you read Revelation 22, 16, right near the end of the Bible, the book. And this is Jesus' words. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David. The bright morning star that's who he is to us that reference to son of david is used about 18 times in the new testament jesus refers to himself many people speak about the son of david the son of david because it's confirming what we've spoken about okay i just want to read two more passages out of chronicles that are also just summarize this covenant that we've spoken about of land but also the promise of the descendant in David's line that the Messiah would come. 1 Chronicles 17, I'm just going to read this out quickly. It says, verse 11, And when your days are fulfilled to walk, and now this is the the Lord speaking to uh, David again, but this is just another version out of Samuel, I will raise up your offspring after you, one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for me, and I will establish his throne forever. What does it say in Peter? That we are living stones. Making up what? The house. The spiritual household of God. I will make a house for you. Okay? You see, we, are, we have spoken about thousands of years ago. The preparation for these things to come. And I will establish His throne forever. I will be to Him a Father and He shall be to me my, a Son. I will not take my steadfast love for Him as I took it from Him who was before you. But I will confirm Him in my house and in my kingdom forever. And his throne shall be established forever. And in an accordance with these words, in accordance with all his vision, Nathan spoke to David. Thank you, Nathan. Then 2 Chronicles 6.16 is now Solomon. David's past. Now Solomon is speaking to the Lord. And he's speaking of this dedication. And this is his prayer of dedication. It says, Now therefore, O Lord, God of Israel, keep for your servant David my father what you have promised him, saying, You shall not lack a man to sit before me on the throne of Israel. If only your sons pay close close attention to their way, to walk in my way, to walk in my law as you have walked before me. Now, therefore, O Lord, God of Israel, let your word be confirmed, which you have spoken to your servant David. We serve a God who has seen all time, all things. Thousands and thousands of years have passed by when these words were passed and spoken. I was reading something the other day about when I Rod will know this stuff, when the Dead Sea Scrolls, and they found the book of Isaiah. And they were busy doing a translation of, even the New Living Translation. One of those translations were busy translating the Bible, and they just paused and said, let us refer to these Dead Sea Scrolls. So that we can confirm what we're speaking about here, and they made minor changes. Because what they found was documented thousands of years ago was true. And it's proved itself over and over and over and over again. And here we are living on the cusp of a great move of God. In the time that we're alive, Then, in your generation, in this time, we saw Israel be recognized as a nation on this earth again. Just think about being in Second World War in the context of what we're talking about. Well, land. They've got no land. There's land now. Things things are changing. There's there's there's, there's movement of according to thousands of years ago of words that have been spoken in the Word of God. But I want what I want to just show you as we wrap up here with these covenants is that none of these covenants. Okay, yes, course. Obviously, the Mosaic one is according to the requirements for them to follow. Okay, but it wasn't all on on the person and the man's uh, ability to make these things work. Okay, it's very important to understand that because a lot of you I know discredit yourselves from being used by God because of what happens in your life and things that play out. And we've got an enemy. If you read through, I was reading and through two what's it? I was Chronicles. I think it's one Chronicles sixteen seventeen, and it says there, and Satan came to David and prompted him to take a census of all the people. See, the enemy, he's a wily character. He's been around a long time. So, so the way you behave, don't think he's never seen it before. He's seen it over and over because that's his game. But we think, oh, I'm the only person struggling with this. No one else in the world is battling and we go quiet and we hover in the corner and then we just disappear and we hide away. He's seen this stuff over and over. He's also been around for thousands of years. Just remember that okay, when Jesus was tempted in the desert and in the wilderness, Jesus knew this guy because he was up in the thrones of heaven, okay? I know him, but he didn't bow to him. And I want to show you something here, which is very important to understand, okay? Once God made a choice of a person that he chose, whatever that person did, they weren't going to mess it up because God was just going to bring an order anyway, Okay? In our own self, we think we can defile and break things and stuff, but God made a choice, okay? So what He did was here, if you look through and you go a little bit back into the history of Abraham, Isaac, and you understand that He defied the traditions of the day. The firstborn was always the son that would, uh, uh, would receive all inheritance, okay? So when God makes a decision and He does it His way, He does it how He wants to do it, okay? So Abraham, we know, God chose the second son, Isaac, and not Ishmael. Okay, according to tradition, that's not right. But God says, I'm God. I've decided, and I have told you, don't sleep with a maidservant. Just wait. But she's 99. But wait. Okay? The promise is on your son, your son, your own blood. And he chose the second son, Isaac. And then Isaac, okay, watch this pattern here. Isaac... God chose the second son, Jacob, and not Esau. Okay? Wow, this doesn't make sense. Then Jacob, God used the, the second youngest son of the twelve, Joseph, to redeem God's people. What about the oldest guy? Like, hey, where's my inheritance? God's just saying, I, I do the way things I, I do. I did it my way. Don't sing that. Not that, that, that we, don't, we won't <laughs> sing that at your funeral. Don't worry. I did it my way. Then God chose David. The youngest of all the brothers. The one out in the open that, they, that Samuel was like, uh, who now, Lord, all these men? He says, uh, not any of these guys. There's a guy, there's someone after my heart there, tending after the sheep. It gives us all a chance, eh? Can okay, I just remember, that's under Old Covenant. Okay, Old Testament. It's even better under New Covenant. Because we're now all chosen and called and priests before Almighty God, Okay. So he chose David, and out of that eighth son, out of that guy, I'm anointing him in the quiet. The Saul's still on the throne. Samuel pours oil over his head, and he anoints him, You're going to be king, pal. Okay. Young boy, probably a teenager still. Really, me? Okay. The years and years went by. God raised him up. Look what God did through him in the line of David, the Messiah, sitting on the throne. And then Jesus, we know, was the firstborn. Paul writes in Corinthians, the firstborn amongst the dead. He had, uh, Adam came first and then came Christ, the second Adam, that set a place for us to go. Now, now listen to this. All of these guys, God made a decision. These guys were far from perfect, far from perfect, okay? Listen, these are just highlights. There's more. Abraham lied. Firstly, took things into his own hands and slept with a maidservant, but God said, don't. But God still continued believing because he had faith to believe for the promise. Okay? He lied about his wife when he came to Abimelech and said, Look here, you're my sister, okay? Don't tell anyone you're my sister. We're going, to, Hi, <laughs> This is my sister. Because Abimelech takes the room and then God speaks to him, like, Whoa, man, why did you tell me she's your wife? What did I say a couple of weeks ago? God's protecting the seed. I'm talking about. So I was thinking about lying. The world lies very easily today. Let's just, let's just step into the Formula One world for a moment here. <laughs> Okay, the, the, the Ferrari um, team principal guy, Bonito, whatever his name is. So, rumor comes out about two months ago this Oak's stepping down and he's leaving Ferrari. What are Ferrari saying to everyone? No, no, rubbish. No, nothing of the sort. He's here. He's even saying, No, I'm going to be here for ages. What audio comes out yesterday? He's quitting. He's leaving Ferrari. But, but were you, were, what were you saying two months ago? You were lying. Okay, because you're withholding the truth because it's now all a PR exercise. Okay, and that's what Abraham was doing, a public relations exercise. This is my sister, not my wife. It doesn't change. Lying is lying, right? It just looks clever today. It just looks clever. We hide it because i but pretty lied. They lied to the public. And actually, in the bottom of the day, I don't care, okay, who the principal is. Isaac, as well, also lied about his wife. Okay, He lied about, it might have been to Abimelech as well, but yes, Rebecca, you're my sister, not my wife. But then, even better, he manipulated his brother and stole his brother's birthright and acted if he was Esau. Hairy arms, kind of stuff, you know. But God honored his, his heart for the sacrifice. Esau was like, ah, make a little soup. He, there wasn't like an intention of to, to actually see the promise. And God honored Isaac, or, or honored Jacob, lied, I mean, manipulated his brother. Okay, then you've got um, uh, uh, Isaac. So, no Isaac, no, Isaac didn't steal, Jacob stole the birthright, if I'm right. Isaac lied to his father in law about all the sheep. Remember, that? just these are his highlights. All the spotted sheep. Okay, I'll take these, but he knew that he'll produce a better, a better a bumper. What is you, you can't say bumper crop with sheep, a, a better fold, a flock. A flock, there we go. So he's lying, he's cheating there. So he knows that he's going to score better because all the ones that are kind of drinking from the trough in a certain way and the marked ones, he takes off. But yet God still chose this guy. (laughs) But they weren't perfect, right? Sure, and then Jacob steals his brother's birthright. I think it's Jacob and Esau, that's right. Okay. Um, He lied to Isaac. And then you've got Moses who's now... All the years later, after Joseph and Moses comes, Moses was a murderer. He murdered an Egyptian and then bailed. Amaria. 40 years. And then God's like, He's like, hey, there's a bush burning, but that bush isn't burning. What, what's going on here? And then God speaks. God wasn't looking for perfect people. Come on, man. And this is still old times. <laughs> And then and then we've got the most successful king of all time. The greatest portion of land that they had, prosperous peace. And then he walks out on his balcony one day, glances left. How are you doing? <laughs> and the rest and that was the turn of his actually decline. Okay, but yet, yes, he came, read Psalm fifty one, he comes before God. His heart, you see. He didn't do those things because, ah, whatever, man, we just carry on here. He had a heart for God, but he knew he had flesh that actually fell. And then he tried to manipulate the situation, the kill Uriah, and kind of cover up everything. And then Nathan comes and tells him that story. Thanks, there you are again. Amazing. Tell them a story about this guy and the sheep, and he's going to, and he takes the one sheep. And David like, who's that guy taking the one sheep? And he you, pal. <laughs> Boom, conviction. Hello. You see, you must remember that. The, the, the enemy. Um, condemns you. But the Spirit convicts you. And when you find conviction in your heart, respond to God. Don't run away. Run to Him. Okay? We'll see that in the New Covenant. That's what it is. You run to Him. The enemy wants you to bail. Run, man. Get out of here. Run, run. Forest, go. Run, forest. Get out of here. You run to God. Because those people, they're not perfect, man. Far away from it. But yet... God used them, okay? And now, next week, we're going to a little bit, as we wrap it up there, about <laughs> thank God for Jesus. You, you would not be experiencing the presence of God this morning like we did and what we are now. He's in this room. He's here with us. He's manifests Himself when we gather. You will not be getting that if Jesus didn't pay the price. There'd be a whole big altar here, burning cows, bulls, hoping for the best, hoping God would accept our sacrifice thank God for Jesus, the perfect spotless lamb that has paid a price for your sin and your weaknesses and your failures. Run to Him. Okay, and as we wrap up these things of covenants, and it looks like I'm going to end just on Hoppus 11, the Lord is with us. Okay? That's a trifactor. I mean, that's, that's incredible. I think I'm on a roll here. Let me just go further before, before long for sake. So, as we've laid out the story of the covenants, okay, very important to understand which is conditional, which is unconditional. What God said thousands of years ago still stands. What we've understood is God keeps His promises. Okay, He's a covenant-standing God. He won't change from that. He's not a man that He should lie. Like the Ferrari guys. Sorry that I point to you, but you like Ferrari. But they, you see how people lie in this world? He's never going to lie to you. And thousands of years ago, He said something, and it's never going to change from that standing. Okay? The reality is that we are still awaiting the fulfillment of some of these promises. Okay? It's it's essentially with the land and Christ that will return as the Messiah, and He will rule on this earth. And we are His people. And we will worship Him. And we will rebuild the cities. And we rebuild the walls. And we will sit in place where we will live in perfect harmony with our Lord and King forever. Okay, What an incredible story of the love of God. His love is unconditional to us. What He said thousands of years ago still stands. That God chose a man. That through this man, Abraham, all the descendants of the world, of this earth, including us Gentiles, would be added into this incredible story. Okay, And understanding that we, as Gentiles, being outsiders, as Paul says, in, I think it's in Romans, about outside of the commonwealth of Israel. We were not included, but yet, okay, we've been grafted in. Go and read Romans 11. If you haven't tracked with us, you are six sessions behind. Okay? We've been grafted in to this incredible story of thousands of years ago. It still stands for us today. So that makes it our story. It makes us a part of the promise that we're outsiders to the commonwealth. Okay, now that makes us partakers of these promises. Our time as Gentiles will come to an end, but we're secure in that because the word has said it. And how the way plays out, God's never going to forget anybody. He's not going to be, okay, cool guys, thanks. Thanks for that 2,000 years. That was awesome. On to the next group of people. No, we've been we've been grafted into the promise that doesn't change for us. He has the most powerful thing of all. Jesus, our Messiah, Yeshua, King of all, is going to return. <laughs> he is going to come back. On a cloud of glory, and we will all see him. I don't know how that works. Then maybe we'll have to believe in the flat earth stuff because then we'll all see him. You know? Okay, he is going to return. And He is in the line of the Son of David. And He will rule this earth. And we will all reign together with our King. Glorious Lord and King. What, just just soak it up, just soak it up for a moment. What a faithful God we serve. I've let people down. He's never let me down. Because what He said 4,000 years ago still stands today. That's why you can be assured. That's why you can have confidence. That's why you know that you're a child of the living God. A son and a daughter they have been called as his very own. We are now called into that fold. What an honor for a king that never changes. Amen? Amen. 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 I'm, I'm looking very forward to next Sunday. There's, there's a pattern and a story we're going to see again of God's faithfulness and how He chooses. How He walks through stuff. He's got a plan. The prophetic plan and purpose of God. That's what we're speaking through. It's 31. Let's stand together and we'll pray and honor Him. Hallelujah. Just for a moment, just soak up in your, just think, your short little life. Even though you might be 73, Neil, it's a short time in God's, just, just soak up for a moment His faithfulness to you. Just, just remember His goodness to you. Just think about it. Because He's been speaking this for thousands of years now. Hmm. Sure. Even though you might be going through a tough season and challenges that face, what was Joe saying earlier on? Every one of you, He wants to give you something this morning. You see, your life might be like we've read about all these heroes of the faith. Man, far from perfect. Come on. You run to His throne now. You stand knowing His goodness and His faithfulness to you. Knowing that, yes, we might be walking to things, but man, tomorrow, He's the same God. Next week, He's the same God. Ten years' time, He's the same God. Because He's proved Himself over time. So mighty God, mighty God, Lord of all, we come to you knowing that you know each of us by name. You know, as it says in the word, the number of hairs on our head, the detail of us. But yet you hold all time and creation in your arms and hands. And here we are. You, Jesus, have made a way for us to stand now in this place of your glory. We are ever thankful for your goodness to us, your faithfulness to us. Lord, let us not run off with our lives and forget how Israel forgot you. We will never forget your goodness to us. So, Father, I pray that if we've embedded the deep of these depth of these truths, these covenants that are set in place, let this be the foundation, the launch pad to our faith, what we believe and we trust to walk through all our lives. And we honor you, mighty Lord and King. In his name, Jesus. Come on, say amen. Amen. Amen.